Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I have something that I feel like the Lord wants to share with you today um, that I know it'll help you grow, it'll bless you, it'll challenge you maybe. Um, But Luke chapter 2, this is a passage, classic Christmas passage. Luke chapter 2, verse 4. This is the passage that my dad read to us every, every Christmas morning. Our Christmas tradition is uh, that we would, we would go find stockings, so my dad would get up early. Actually, I think he'd stay up late and hide a bunch of stockings um, from me and my brother and my sister, and then we'd spend the morning trying to find the stockings. He's a really good hider. Um, I don't know if that's a word, but anyway, he's really good at hiding stuff, and when you're, when you're just waking up and you're not a morning person, which is like my whole family, so you're real groggy and bumping into stuff and trying to find it. And so then we finally find our stockings, we sit down on the couch, and then my dad would open the Bible and read from Luke chapter 2, and um, we've tried different variations of this. I don't know if you want to do this in your own family, but once again, it's a way of making Jesus at the beginning of Christmas, so that it's not all about presents, Um, but we would open up the Bible before we open up presents and read from Luke chapter 2, which is the story of the birth of Christ, and um, uh, my dad would read it, and then I added a little tradition where we have we have one of those um, nativity sets in our house. I don't know if you've seen them. I think ours is a play school one. It's like a little kitty one, and uh, there's there's like these little people, these uh, these little kings and little shepherds and and stuff. And so we'll 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 do something where we'll have um, we'll pass out the figurines from the from the from the nativity set and we'll ask the kids like hey if you were this sheep like what would you be thinking or if you were the the baby jesus what would you be thinking just whatever figurine you have you got to share from that perspective you got to share the story from that perspective so just an idea if you want to try that for your family um this christmas it's a great way of exploring the bible story but i wanted to read from luke chapter 2 as we're in the christmas season here and um uh because there's also a phrase in here that kind of stuck out to me this week that I think might stick out to you as well, based on my sermon last week. So if you weren't here last week, then you're going to totally miss it. Uh, but if you're here, you'll, you'll get it. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 4. And uh, so, so now you're here this week, so you'll be in the club for next week. It'll be great. Uh, Joseph also went from, up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. So there's some places God's trying to get you out of. Into Judea. There's a place he needed to be in. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, if you read a lot of the Old Testament prophecies, you'll understand why. Uh, The place is important. God's not going to have his son born in Nazareth. Uh, His son needs to be born in Bethlehem. That's the prophecy. That's that's what uh, God had foretold. And so it needed to happen. There are certain things that that aren't going to happen until you get in the right place. Um, Because God has a place for everything. Um, in fact, places are really important in Scripture. Did you know God created a place before he even created a person? He did. He, he, he created the entire world in Genesis chapter 1, and then he created a garden, and then he created people for the garden, which tells me that if you're alive today, that God has already created a place for you because he creates places before people, and he places people in the place that he's called them to be. So there is a particular place, and when you're in the place that God's called you to be, that's where you're able to give birth to the things God's called you to give birth to. 
And I'm not talking about physical birth here. Now, obviously in this story it's physical, but uh, not a lot of us have to give, thank the Lord, physical birth to anything. Um, but God's got some, some new life that he wants to bring out through you into the world, and it's only going to happen when you get in the right place. So this is, this is what's happening. Joseph is moving from the city of Galilee to the city of Nazareth, which is in Judea, to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house of the house and lineage of David, in order to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, once again, man, it's so important that you're there. And it's so important that you stay there until that thing comes out of you, until that, that new life comes out of you. That while they were there, the days were completed. They didn't make a quick trip. Multiple days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son with a capital S and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And this is the part that I really want to preach on, but you have to understand the backstory. In verse eight, it says, now there were in the same country. Now there were in the same country. Last week I preached on the fact that it was on the same day that Jesus turned to his disciples and said, let's go. It was on the same day. Well, God can do a lot in the same day, but he can also do a lot in the same place, in the same country, in the same zip code. You can be in the same zip code as, as Jesus. He's being born in the same zip code, and you don't even know it. The, 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 the shepherds are out in the field. They're in the same place, but it's a very different story for them than it is for Mary and Joseph. And so this is why in the same country, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, this is why God sends an angel of the Lord to stand before them. And the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. To everyone. Now this is the gospel of Luke. It's important to remember Luke's writing on behalf of Paul. And so Paul was the, the apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, the rest of the apostles were really focusing on Jewish uh, people and bringing them into the kingdom. Uh, but Paul said, no, God's called us to all people. And so you're going to find that actually in a lot of Luke's gospel, this, this reference to all people, this reference to others out there, that the promise of God, the, the Messiah is being born not just for the Jews, but for all people. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Come on, somebody. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's still politically correct, but we used to sing that back in the day. Uh, and behold, an angel stood before him, and the angel said, Don't be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. And the church service was over. And the pastor dismissed them. When the choir got down and put away their instruments. When the sermon was done and the altar call was over. That the shepherds said to one another, let's go. 
The shepherds said to one another, let's go. I want you to announce my sermon title this week, the same sermon title for the second week in a row. Touch two people around you and tell them, let's go. You just have that, let's go. Just, just, this, is, this is part of it. It's part of the sermon. Because they said to each other, the pastor didn't say to them, they said, come on somebody, you got to pra- put it into practice, practice what I preach, all right? Uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that into a bumper sticker right there. Um, practice what I, they said to each other, let's go, let's go and see this thing that the Lord has done. Let's go and see this thing that the Lord has accomplished. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. And, and, and it's important. It's, uh, the, the church service is great. The worship is good. The sermon hopefully is, is helpful. But at the end of the day, when, when, when we turn off the lights here, you need to touch somebody and say, let's go. Let's go put this into practice. Let's go put this into action. Let's go find the purpose for this entire thing. The whole reason for the angels appearing to the shepherds was not so that they would have a great story about the angels that they saw and that the, 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 the message that they heard. It was to, to whet their appetite for what was waiting for them. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, and bless you. Waiting for them in Bethlehem. So you're going to, so, 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 so if you leave here today and you say, oh, that was a good service, that was a good sermon, that was a nice song, you've, you've, you've missed the point. The point of church is to get you to say, let's go. Let's go. Let's move. Let's, let's move from where I am right now to where Jesus is. It's interesting that at the end of the message, see, last week I talked about how before the event happened, Jesus said, let's go. And I talked about what happens after we start going. But now I want to talk to you a little bit about, about before. What is the motivation for going? Why do we look at each other and say, let's go? Why is Pastor Harry saying, let's go? I know you'd prefer a sermon series on let's sit <laughs> or, let's, or let's, let, let's chill. I know, you, I, I know you would like that. Like, I know that's, that's more up your alley. I'm more of a let's chill kind of guy. Well, that's great. But, <laughs> but these guys, these, 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 these shepherds, they had something inside. They saw something and they heard something that caused them, them to say to each other, let's go. Let's move. Let's go see this thing that God has done. I'm telling you, God has done some things on your behalf. God has done some things for you and me that we'll never re- reap the benefit of if we don't go. You stay in the field, you miss out on the benefits of what God has already done. Not what he's about to do, what he's already done. He's already accomplished this. And so I have a couple of points for you. My first point uh, is pretty simple. They said, they said let's go. And, and the angel said, because the angel said to them, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That was the first bit of motivation for them. The angel said, for unto you. Now that word unto you, it it means to you. Now that's interesting because last I checked, none of these shepherds were pregnant. (laughs) The angel said, unto you is born this day. And none of them were pregnant. None of them had given birth recently that I know of. I don't even think they were in the ER the night before. And yet the angel said to them, for to you is born. That must have been an interesting statement as they're sitting out there in the field, a bunch of guys with a bunch of sheep. And the the angel says, yep, to you is born 
a savior. Now, wait a minute. We haven't, like, my wife's not pregnant. Uh, I, not that I know of. Like, I know I've been out in the field for a while, but I don't know, like, what you're talking about. The angel, the angel is, is telling them that something has happened to them that it doesn't feel like anything happened to them. Has God ever said that, that maybe you were a new creature and you didn't feel incredibly new in your creatureness? <laughs> has God ever spoken something to you that something had happened to you and yet the evidence of that thing didn't seem to line up with the word of God yet? Sometimes a lack of fruit can, can cause us to believe that there is a lack of growth. And that's not always true. There's some winter seasons where if you keep trying to produce Leaves in the winter, you'll end up killing the trunk of the tree. There's some, there's some seasons of life where God's doing things, and you might not see the full fruit of it yet. And I want to encourage you, don't give up on it. Don't step into 2020 thinking that God's not working, because God can be doing something. Sometimes God doesn't even let you know that he's on the job site till after he's already finished the job. He doesn't report him for duty. Well, probably because you're not the general contractor. Just, just throw that out there. Just, he doesn't need your permission. He's not asking you. Do you mind if I send a savior into the world now? Or are you ready for this? He never asked the shepherds if they were ready to be saved. He never asked them if they were ready for a savior. He just did what he had already decided to do. And then he told them about it. And he says, look, I've already done something to you. There's already the opportunity for salvation that's already been presented to you already god god is god god's sneaky i'm afraid you underestimate the sneakiness don't underestimate the sneakiness he's he, he doesn't always check in with us he can be doing things without our permission oh really i am not sovereign is that what you're trying to tell me yeah yeah pretty much Pretty much, you're, 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 you, you, you don't have control of the God of the universe. He's not submitted to you. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't have a tracker on his phones you, for the accountability software. He's not asking you to keep track of him and allow him to move. Sometimes he just decides to do something and then tells you and I about it afterward because he's sovereign. And, and that's what the angel said. He said, glory to God in the highest. Not glory to the shepherds for letting God do this, but glory to God in the highest because he has done something even without our volition and without our participation. He stepped in. And this is what, salva this is what the call of salvation is, that God has already made everything available for your salvation and for my salvation. That the price has already been paid. You don't have to add to it. That the blood of Jesus has already been shed. You don't have to shed yours. That it's already the work of salvation has already been accomplished on the cross. And has been made available to you without your righteousness. Without your goodness. Without your church attendance. Without your reading of the books. Without your doctrinal correctness. He is so good that he already decided to be good to you before you were good. And, and, and I, I think sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we get into church and we think well, we have to work up to a certain level. To walk in what God has already offered us. And the, the shepherds, the, they, they didn't get a, a, a manual from the angels saying, okay, so you check off these things, do these things, and then, then you can approach them. They, 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 were just, they were just lowly 
Shepherds, if you, if you, if you study like the, 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 the rank and file of, of, of shepherding in these days, this was not like the best profession in the world. Uh, you, you didn't make a lot of money. It wasn't necessarily, uh, God didn't go to the lawyers. God went to the truckers. He appeared at a truck stop. That's what, it, it doesn't say it, but it kind of was. That was basically a truck stop. And he says, to you. Now, he didn't, as far as we know, angels didn't appear to anyone else in the entire world. But he found some truckers at a truck stop and said, to you, something has happened to you. And they go, well, I don't feel like anything's happened to me. <laughs> I don't feel different. I don't think, well, yeah, you're not yet. But something has happened to you. God has started the ball rolling. God has been working while you were like feeding the sheep, while you were on the john, while you were sleeping, while you were going about your daily business. God was working and you didn't even know it. Man, sometimes I feel like we need, we, like, we need the revelation that these guys had that God is at work even when you don't know it, even when it doesn't feel like it, when it doesn't look like it, when you can't see it. It doesn't mean he's not working. Even when you can't see progress in your own life, it doesn't mean God's not working. Now, now, of course, God uses submission. God uses obedience. He used Mary and Joseph's obedience. Absolutely. But there are some, there are some things that God has already prepared for us, and he simply asks us to step into because God, God works differently than humans work. God works differently. See, being an American, we have the disadvantage of automatically being busy. We're born into busyness because our culture believes that the activity and productivity are one and the same. We've confused it, really. We, we really think that activity equals productivity, and it's not always the case. Okay, so like, for instance, your iPhone, you never turn it off. It's running all the time. That's why it dies after five years. Stuff God makes don't die after just five years. Unless you're, you're a fly, in which case you got about 24 hours. <laughs> but but, but, but this, this is the problem with man-made things. We think if it can be more active, it'll be more productive. And so, you know, I, man, it's so dangerous. It's dangerous to step into an organic world with a digital mindset. It's dangerous to, to come before an organic God with a digital mindset. Because you believe then that, that, hey, if praying a little bit is good, then praying all the time is better. You believe if, if going to church a little bit is good, then living at church is probably better. You believe if doing a little bit is good, then doing a whole lot is probably better. And if you're not careful, you'll get so active that you won't be productive. Because activity and productivity are two very different things, and sometimes they work against themselves. Sometimes they work against themselves. See, when God works, he, he does weird things. Like in Genesis chapter 1, he says, let there be. Now, we would never think of doing that. We would never, in terms of work, we would go about to create the steps to a thing. We wouldn't just speak the thing. When God works, it's kind of different. You say, well, yeah, that's because he's all powerful. He's also all wise. So you might want to learn from him. So when, when, he's, when the very beginning, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says in the very next sentence, the earth was void and without form. Meaning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the angels stood back and said, what's that? Oh, that's the earth. 
it looks, it looks kind of void, like nothing. Looks like nothing. And it doesn't have any form. I can't tell, is, is, that, is, is, that, is, that, is that round? Is it square? Is it, what, what is it? What is its function? What does it do? Oh, and it's, it's, it's the earth, isn't it great? No, like the angels weren't celebrating a void and without form creation. And I think oftentimes this is the way God works. He, he makes something that looks a lot like nothing and everybody sees nothing and they think, well, boy, that wasn't very successful, was it? But it is verse one that sets up verse two and three and four and five where he says, let there be light. He can't say let there be something until he creates something to begin with, until he creates a place, even if that place is void and without form, even if it looks kind of like a mess. Now, now he creates this thing and it's void and without form. And then it says that the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. What, is, what, what does that mean? Well, the word hover is the same word for uh, 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 to brood or, or like when a mother hen sits on her eggs. So many of you don't have chickens and eggs and stuff, but we have some of those at home. And, uh, you know, the little egg will pop out and then the chicken will, will it's very spiritual, <laughs> will sit on it. So this is, this is this very, very deep preaching. But that's what the Bible says. That's, that's literally, like if you're reading that in the original language, you see the word brooding. You see, the, you see the, very, the very same word, sitting. He sat. So basically when God really wants to do something awesome, he does this. Well, I, I guess technically that, was, that would be if he was like, if he was wanting to do something awesome on this platform. If he wants to do something awesome to this lovely lady right here, he does this. So glad that you're a visitor today. I, I would like to, like to invite you back to City Chapel, honey, sometime. This is it's not a weird church at all. But no, this is, the, the, this is what he does. And if you happen to be here and, 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 and the Holy Spirit does this, and you were expecting him to, you know, get out a hammer and, and a drill and, and start, and, or something, and he just does this, and you're like, yeah, okay, that's really interesting. Well, what's God doing in your life? Well, he's just kind of cutting off circulation to my knees. <laughs> but no, this is, this is God's idea of working. Because he's hovering over the waters. And, and, it's, and it's so interesting. Even, you know, uh, science will tell us some pretty awesome stuff comes out of the water when God starts hovering over it. Some crazy stuff starts happening. Now, I don't know the water wasn't bubbling. It doesn't say that, like, weird things were... It's just... What's happening is when God does this, he's transferring his temperature to you. That's what a mother hen does. She's producing life inside of the egg, not by working on it, but by dwelling on it. This is how God changes things, by dwelling. This is how he does his greatest work, by dwelling. He does his greatest work. He doesn't look like he's doing anything, but nobody else can do what he's doing. Nobody else can do what a, what a mother hen is doing. It doesn't look like much, but nobody else can do it. And, and when God dwells on somebody, nothing else can take his place. You can, you can try to get superficial dwelling. You can, you, can, you can get your Hillsong like, album out and listen to it. and you, know, you can listen to the, to the podcast from the preaching. 
You can get superficial dwelling, but, 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 but when God dwells, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like much from the outside, but the transformation that happens on the inside, the life that comes out of the egg under the mother hen is undeniable. True transformation comes from, from God dwelling. And so oftentimes when he's just dwelling, you can feel your legs again here in a minute. So oftentimes when he's just dwelling, we go, well, I don't think he's working. No, he is. That, that, that's his version, his greatest version of work is to dwell, not to, not to have a checklist, not to have a progress report, but to dwell. That's why, that's why every great revival is really described as a, uh, a, Duncan Campbell described revival as a blossoming of God, meaning an unfolding, like a flower that's folded up and it suddenly just unfolds. That's what revival is. It is not Facebook ads, it is not an increase in activity, whether preaching or singing. It is not an increase in special services. It is, it, is, it is not even an increase in spiritual things by the people of God. Those in, the increases that you end up seeing in, in moves of God, like increased prayer meetings, increased devotion, increased serving of God, those are reactions to the dwelling of God, which is why you can't schedule revival. You can't schedule it. The shepherds couldn't schedule Jesus to be born in a particular day and time. You can't schedule it because God is sovereign and he chooses to move when he chooses to move. The question is, are you going to be in the right place when he's moving? You, you, you have to follow the cloud. The cloud doesn't follow you. You have to, it's, it, it, it's, it, he's sovereign, we're not. But if we can be in the place where he's dwelling, then, then the new life that comes out of that place will come out of us. It'll be, we are the egg, right? We are the earth. We are the thing that he is hovering over. And I, I sense that God is, is brooding. <laughs> even, even now, even in 2019, I sense that God is brooding. And I sense that the enemy is trying to get people out from under him. Because he, he knows that even though he doesn't look like he's doing a lot, he knows that just being in that place, there's something about the power of a place when it's under the brooding of God that is transformative, that is life-giving, that breathes fresh life into things. And the enemy is trying to get people out from under that place, get people distracted. And, and, and even in this day, these shepherds are distracted, and yet the angels appear to them to let them know, hey, God's moving. You don't see it. You, you, you didn't get the memo. It wasn't on Facebook. It wasn't scheduled in your Google calendar. But for real, it's, he's done something outside of your schedule. And, and, and by the way, it was, it, was, it, was, it was something that happened to them, but it was also that same word could also mean for you. For the, the, the word uh, for unto you, the word unto you is it's in the dative, locative, or instrumental case, meaning uh, it is um, to you, like it's, it's something that's been done to you, but it's also been done for you or on your behalf. That's, that God has done something to you, he has done something for you, and it also means he's done something within you. Because this is the same country. And God, the angels of God are trying to let these, these shepherds know. By the way, God wanted everybody to know. But his plan for telling everybody was to just tell a few people. 
And then these shepherds, if you keep reading the story, the shepherds go and find Jesus and they're amazed and they worship him. And then they go around the rest of the town and tell everybody else. So God's plan was that everyone would know, but he, his, his process was that he only lets a couple of people know. And then he wants those couple of people to let everybody else know. Meaning that when whatever God wants to do in you or to you or for you is not ultimately supposed to end with you. It's supposed to go on to somebody else. He's doing something in you, to you, and for you, but it's not all about you. It's, it's about you carrying the message that you've received to those around you. And so my first, my first point is that there is, there's power in the right place, but, uh, but also the second point, it, it comes from the, the text where he says, then the angel said to them, don't be afraid. If we go down to verse 12, In uh, verse 12, they say, this shall be a sign to you. This will be a sign. It's interesting. A million angels in the sky, not a sign. (laughs) Uh, Gabriel, I think, is probably the one who's talking to them face to face. Not a sign. The angel said, this will be a sign to you. A sign of what? A sign that what I'm saying is true. So, so it's great to have this encounter, this angelic encounter. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to hear the worship. Can you imagine hearing angels worship? How awesome would that be? Hearing a, a mini sermon from Gabriel has got to be like way better than hearing a long sermon from me. I mean, it's awesome. But then the, the great question is, it doesn't, what, what good does it do you if you don't believe it? By believe it, I mean act on it. <laughs> and so, and so, and Gabriel knows that. The angel knows that. He's telling them the message. And so the angel says, I know that you need proof. I know that you need something. Your faith needs something to anchor onto and to say, yes, I believe it. And yes, I'm going to act on it. Right? Which the action is to go find the baby. So they're out in the field. And, and, and the, the, the angel says, this will be your sign. This is how you'll know that it's true. Okay, all right, what is it? When you find the baby. So, let's see. I have to find the baby first before I know that the baby is real? Yes, absolutely. It's it's an interesting sign because many of us want a sign that will cause us to step out into something that we don't know. And what the angel is saying is that when you, when you act in obedience on what you do know, what you find on the other end of that obedience, what you find in the manger, that person is the proof. So the sign is not the song. The sign is not the sermon. The sign is the Savior. Jesus is the sign. When you meet him, when you see him, he, the angel says, man, look, I, I know our singing was pretty good and the preaching was pretty good, but none of this is going to convince you that it's true. You are not going to be convinced until you see Jesus. And I would suggest to you the same is true for us today. We are not going to be convinced of the reality of heaven We're not going to be convinced of the reality of hell. We're not going to be convinced of the reality of the mercy of God or the justice of God until we actually see Jesus. To see Jesus, to behold Jesus, that is the proof. The proof is in the person of Jesus. He is proof that God is just. 
He is proof that God is merciful. He is proof that there is goodwill toward men. See, the song where they sing, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Uh, I, don't, I, I think you got the wrong planet because there's not a lot of peace here. And the angels, they weren't saying that there was peace. They were, they were prophetically saying that there was the potential for peace. Sometimes in worship, we're really prophesying our potential. But you don't, you don't realize it if you don't find the person because the, 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 the person, the prince of peace is the deliverer of peace. So if you want to see peace on earth, you have to find the prince of peace. You have to find Jesus. You have to see him. And, and this is what they said. This will be a sign to you. And the truth is many of us, we're looking in many different places for a sign. We're looking for all kinds of signs in many different ways. I remember a few years ago, we had um, somebody visit our church and for the very first time, and we were, we were announcing that we were going to be doing baptisms that day down at the river. And, and um, they came to me after service and they said, hey, uh, you know, can, can our sons be baptized? So I talked to them about baptism and they, they understood it and they, were, they seemed like they'd been walking with Jesus for a while. And I said, okay, well, great. We'll be happy to baptize you. So we, so we dunked them in the river and, um, and prayed over them and it was awesome. And then afterward, they were got involved in the church they said God's calling us to this church and then like two months later like they just disappeared and so I was trying to get a hold of them I finally got a hold of them and I said hey you know is are you okay is everything like are, are you still alive are you what's going on yeah 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 we we just we're just we just wanted to go to a different church and I said well that's that's no problem you know um, I can help you find a church if you let me know like what kind of church you're looking for I know a lot of pastors around in the area and they never took me up on that offer I think people get weirded out by that I don't know Texans maybe I don't know but they're like I don't want to talk to the pastor I'm leaving his church and and I said well you know could you just tell me is there anything is there anything that, that happened you know that you're you're excited about City Chapel then you went to another church and and they said well it's just not the church for us and I said okay that's fine because it's like Baskin Robbins there are 32 different flavors of church and uh, this isn't for City Chapel's not for everybody it is for anybody though like, we'll accept anybody, but it's not for every single person. Um, otherwise, we would need a much bigger building for all of Austin if we believed this was the only church that was going to heaven. Like, that's not how that works. And so, you know, I said, I said okay, well, no problem, but, you know, like, what do you think changed? And so they said, well, you know, um, that the Sunday that they had visited, which, which I didn't know, but the Sunday they visited, they had been talking about baptisms. And so when, when I, when, it, when, the, when the pastor said we're doing baptisms, they felt like that was a sign that that's the church they need to go to. And I said, oh, well, that's not really a sign. Like, that's, that's not really how you decide where God is leading you. <laughs> Some of you are like, really? Yeah. <laughs> no, for real. Because the pastor can say anything. Like, I, I, I live with him. Trust me. Lots of stuff go through his head. He could say any given thing at any given moment, and it's not necessarily a sign. Sermons aren't signs. Songs aren't a sign that God is speaking to you, that God is working in your life. If you come and you feel goosebumps, that does not mean God is working in your life. The danger of that, you say, well, well, well Harry, are you against goosebumps? No, I, like, I'm all about goosebumps. It's awesome. It's wonderful. But if you start to believe that goosebumps are a sign that God's working in your life, then as soon as the goosebumps turn off, you'll believe that God's not working in your life. So the danger is that you, you got the wrong sign. 
What's his name? Uh, uh, here's, here's your sign. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like the, the sign is not the song or the sermon. Hopefully both will bless you. But the sign is the person of Jesus. He is what makes, he is the realization. When you see him, you realize God's working in your life. When you see him, you say, well, I've never seen him. Let's go. Like, like, like for real, that's why we're going. That's why, that's why I'm not preaching let's sit. Because let's sit doesn't get you closer to Jesus. So I'm saying let's go so that you'll see him and then you'll know that God loves you. Then you'll know that God has a plan for you. Then you'll know that God is merciful and just when you see him. But until you see him, you're just guessing. You're just taking my word for it. And it's pretty unconvincing. The angel said, this will be your sign. God wants to give you a sign. He wants to increase your faith. He wants to give you an anchor, something for you to hold on to. But he refuses to let it be something as, as petty and, 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 and really uh, unreliable as a preacher. I had another lady who was baptized. Um, she reached out to me on a Saturday. We had put out on Facebook that we were doing baptisms. And I don't know why it's always baptisms. But uh, this other lady, this other girl, and she, she reached out to me that day and said, I want to be baptized. And I said, great. Have you given your life to Jesus? And we talked about it. She said, yes. And so then Sunday after church, she said, yeah, the reason like, why I want to be baptized today is because Friday night I had a dream about my dead grandmother. And then I saw your ad on Facebook about being, or your post about being baptized. And, and I, that, that was a sign. I need to be baptized. And I thought, man, it's so unfortunate that, that we, we haven't seen Jesus, so we reach for these other weird things. A dream about your dead grandma is great. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's, it's encouraging to you. Like, that's lovely, and it's, but it's not a sign from God to be baptized. Because if, if your salvation and if your decision to go all in with God is based on pizza that you ate the night before, I'm just saying, because uh, I've, I've had wonderful dreams, and I've had freaky dreams, and I've had scary dreams. I've had all kinds of dreams. I don't base my walk with God on dreams or how God feels about me based on what I dreamt. I take the good ones, leave the bad ones, and we just go with that. But for real, the sign is not a dream. The sign is the person of Jesus when you see him. And if you haven't seen him, let's go. Let's go find him. Because when we see him, when we get to the place where he is, then the proclamation will make sense. Then the sermon will make sense. Then the song will make sense. Then the Hillsong concert will make sense. Then it'll make sense because it doesn't make sense without the person. If all you have is the goosebumps, it doesn't make sense without the person. But when you see him, suddenly all this other stuff starts to make sense. And they said to each other, let's go because there has to, you, you, you have to get into his presence. A passion for his presence is, is key. Uh, to quote Bob Hemp, um, church is like an oven. Well, actually, he said the kingdom of God is like an oven, but I, I kind of divide those. I say church is like an oven. Um, and you guys are all like cookie dough. Uh, I'm like cookie dough too. Uh, chocolate chip, to be specific. Chocolate chip cookie dough. Um, I don't know, some of you are like uh, oatmeal raisin. So we're going to pray. We're going to keep praying for her. Um, uh, you, can, you can be a new creation today, sister. You can be a new creation. Uh, the old has passed away. The, old, the new has come. Um, 
cookies, A, cookies shouldn't have raisins. And oatmeal shouldn't be made into cookies. It's, it's oatmeal. I don't know. Sorry. Um, but no, some of, uh, some of us are peanut butter. Some of us, I don't know, all kinds of different. Oh, white chocolate, macadamia nuts. Oh, no. This is going downhill. It's going downhill. Um, this is Austin. We do have a lot of nuts around here. Got a lot, got a lot of nuts. Some fruit. Some fruit, too. But um, for us, man, chocolate chip. City Chapel is a chocolate chip church, and, and we'll just pray for you if you're not that. We'll just, we'll just pray for you. Uh, man, no, there's one thing I know how to bake is chocolate chip cookies in. And uh, it's, you know, you, you have the dough, which is really just a bunch of ingredients sloshed together, stirred up. And honestly, I think that's the way you came out of your mother's womb. That's how you came into the world. You had a lot of potential inside of you. You had, you had baking, for instance, baking powder inside of you that does nothing when you're dough. If all you do is eat the cookie dough, don't even bother putting that in there. Like it's not, it's a waste because it doesn't do anything. It only is activated in the oven. There's some stuff that will only be activated in you, stuff God's put inside of you that will only be activated in, in this oven, which with blankets, it's more like a refrigerator today. But sometimes it is a bit of a, it's, it's the oven of the church. It's the temperature. And so, and so what God wants to do, like many people, like they'll come visit City Chapel and they'll, they are a little clump of cookie dough and they walk in here and they, they, they sit down and, and they, see, they see people around them that are, that are not cookie dough. They're like beautiful like cookies. You know, like a really good cookie, like slightly crisp on the outside, really gooey on the inside. It's, it's, and, and, and they say, how do I become that? Like, how do I have a family like that? How do I have children like that? How do I have a marriage like that? How do I, how do I date like that? How do I become a cookie? Well, let me tell you, the one way not to become a cookie, like this is, this is one thing, don't, like, don't stay out of the oven. Because if you're out of the oven, there's absolutely no chance you're ever going to become a cookie. And you say, well, well, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Well, you know, that's, that's completely a weird analogy. The cookie thing's way better, I'm just saying. McDonald's, no, that should never be a part of a sermon illustration. But anyway, you, you, got, you, got, uh, so you have to be in the oven. You have to be in the right place. Where you are determines what grows inside of you. What the temperature of the room that you're in determines what's activated inside of your little cookie dough heart. Okay? It's, it, it, it matters. Where you are matters. And sometimes where you are starts like, you know, <laughs> the oven is heating up, folks. <laughs> Our Christmas lights are uh, heating up. Um, some, yeah, that's, that, there's your sign. Come on, somebody. There's your sign. You're in the right, you're in the right oven. Touch somebody. Tell them it's getting hot in here. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. That was, I got out of character for a minute. I thought service was over. My bad. My bad. So keep on all your clothes. That's, that's how that song goes. That's how that song goes. Um, <laughs> but no, the oven, like the, the church has got to... There's two things in an oven and in every church that you need. You need temperature and you need time. And th- those are the two things that the, that the enemy fights. He, the, the, Satan is always fighting the temperature of a church. He's always fighting the spiritual temperature of a church. And I know this because I'm the pastor and so I get fought first. He's always trying to turn down my passion for God. 
He's always trying to turn down my prayer life. He's always trying to turn down my fasting. He's trying to turn down my reading of Scripture. He's trying to turn down my, my fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He's trying, he's trying to get me distracted. He's trying to get me focused on so many other things so that the spiritual temperature of my heart goes down. He's always fighting temperature, and he, he does that in me personally, and he does that as a church in general. Uh, if, you're not, if, you're, if, if, if you're not careful, see, <laughs> it's interesting if, if, if he can turn down the, the temperature of a church, it doesn't matter how much cookie dough gets into that oven. You can have a thousand chairs and a thousand lumps of cookie dough, and if the temperature inside is similar to the temperature outside, it may be more comfortable for the cookie dough. You may collect a lot of cookie dough, but there's no change, there's no transformation. And that's why I said, you know, a lot of times people prefer the less sit sermon versus the less go sermon. But you cannot, you cannot chill, dear cookie dough, you cannot be chilled in the refrigerator of life and be changed at the same time. It, the transformation and relaxation do not enter into the same heart at the same time. You, you cannot, it just doesn't work that way. And so, and so it's difficult sometimes because, because to keep the temperature up in the church means you have to keep challenging people to become more like Christ and more of who they've, they've been created to be. And so as a pastor, you might say things like, hey, put Jesus at the, at, the, at the beginning of Christmas Eve by coming to a Christmas Eve service. And people are like, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I have other things that I normally do. And so really what I'm doing is I'm turning up the temperature and I'm melting you. <laughs> you know, cookie dough, like when it first gets in the oven, it goes, it just it goes, it, it was a nice ball of cookie dough and it turns into literally a mess. And so as a pastor, I turn up the spiritual heat in my own life, but I also turn it up for you guys to where your regular life starts melting. Your regular way of responding to things starts melting. Your regular way of, 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 of associating with family, your priorities, all of that begins to melt. And it's tough. To be a cookie dough in transition. <laughs> because you don't know what the heck you are at that point. <laughs> you're literally not a cookie and you're not exactly cookie dough either. You are a lukewarm, semi-gooey blob. And you're bloating. <laughs> Just throwing this out there. As a cookie. Let me love you and tell you. There will be bloating going on. The cookie dough is a ball of dough, but when it, when it, when it starts cooking, it, maybe I'm hitting this cookie thing too hard. I don't know, but I get into an analogy. I just like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm in there. But it, it, goes, it goes out like this. It expands, and it starts getting fluffy and puffy, and it's like, it's got to be freaking out on the inside. Like, this isn't me. This isn't how I live. There's, a, there's stuff going, bubbling up inside of me, baking powder, soda, whatever it is, that, 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 that I, didn't, I never even knew that I had, and I'm not sure that I like. This isn't how I roll. I can't even roll now because I'm a, I'm a flat thing. I used to, oh, anyway, getting way too deep into it. But know that it'll change your shape. It'll change your texture. It'll change. It, 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 the, the, the transformation is so complete. That, that the enemy fights temperature, and when he can't fight temperature, he fights time. So, fine, you're in a hot church. They keep turning up the heat. They keep encouraging you to, you know, pray and give to God and worship. And, you know, they keep, oh, man, they keep, well, you know what? It, I, don't, I don't like their Christmas lights. So you, you, you need to find another church. 
We need to cut this time. We need to get you out of the oven. And once again, I'm not against people going to other churches because as long as it's lifting up the name of Jesus and, and as long as the temperature is hot enough to, to offend you, to make you mad. Because if you're cookie dough, you will get mad first. <laughs> you, will, you will start melting first. It's just, it's just it's what happens. That's what truth does. Truth confronts you before it comforts you. It, it, it deals with stuff. And so, hey, as long as it's confronting you, as long as the truth is being, being preached, go for it. But the problem is, most, most of the time, as a pastor, what I've seen is most of the time people go through a cooling off period. They think it's just them. They think it's just incidental. But it's so darn consistent that I'm beginning to think maybe it's part of the plan of the enemy. Let's undo all the cooking that's been happening Let's get you back to the blob of cookie dough that you were. Let's get you, let's, let's, let's cool off. Let's chill for a while. Sit in the back row for a little while. Don't do, don't, don't get involved. My goodness, don't meet anybody. Sure. I mean, I mean, sure, they're probably nice, but you don't know. They could be crazy. Don't, you don't meet anybody. Don't talk, don't talk to the pastor. Surely don't, don't, don't get to know him. One of the worst things I, one of the things I learned as a pastor is like, if you want to scare people away, invite them out to lunch or something you know I've 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 we've lost more people at City Chapel by me being friendly than we ever did by me preaching the truth I I finally just given up on it I'm like no I it scares people I don't want to meet you well, yeah no I'm good I'm good I'm going to another church it, because because it's because the enemy wants you a little cooling off period no need to get serious don't go to a small group for heaven's sake don't start digging into the word don't start listening to that no you just need to chill for a while and what's happening? Well, all the growth that had happened is being undone. And you're getting colder and colder and colder. And God wants, God wants the temperature up. And that's why, the, that's why the shepherd said, let's go to where Jesus is. Because that's where the temperature is right. That's where the oven is. That's where change happens. It's not going to happen out in the field. They didn't say, well, gee, we sure hope that they get baby Jesus in a stroller or preferably a bob they're gonna be going over these mountains get them up over here let us see this thing that'd be awesome that'd be awesome if somebody brought jesus to us but no the angels told them so that they would have a hunger inside of them to go get what they needed and i think this also happens within the oven i think this happens in church that things begin to stir up inside of you and you're like man we we need that yeah Exactly. When God starts stirring something up inside of you and you start seeing a need within the oven, oftentimes that's because God is trying to challenge you to meet that need, to go, to go get it, to bring it, to, 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 go, to, go, to, go, in, to go and bring it into the oven. There's so many, there's, there's, there's so many churches uh, that, you know, they've been, they've been a hot oven for years and nobody ever left them. Nobody ever went out of the oven. And and you go in there and it's it's they're 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 crispy, crispy Christians. <laughs> they're clunk 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 clunk. They're hard as a rock. Cause they never went out and got any more cookie dough in. They just stuck around. They like oh we like this feeling. We 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 know our hymns. We know this and we we know and we're just holding on to the bitter end. And they're getting harder and harder and harder, and more judgmental against the cookie dough. Why is that dough so doughy? Yeah, well, 
maybe, maybe the purpose of the cookie dough, maybe God wants you to now be the link to bring somebody else into, to bring something else. So, so, sometimes I think what, what we're missing, because we're, a lot of us are, grew, grew up in a consumer culture, we think that when we're missing something, we need to go find it, somebody to give it to us. But in God's kingdom, oftentimes it's like, no, if you're missing something, that's because I want you to bring it and to contribute it. When we started City Chapel, that's what we did. We started City Chapel, started a church. We started an oven. We built an oven uh, where there was no oven. There were other ovens that were good, and they were doing good things. But God said, now there's some, there's some oatmeal cookies that will only get inside of your oven. And uh, uh, he wanted us to reach out to them. And um, so we, we, were, we were in a wonderful oven, wonderful church, Promised Land St. Marcus. And we, we, we were cozy and warm in there. It was, it was nice. All of our friends there, and it was just great. And uh, they had great ministries. They had great um, programs for our kids. And, this, you know, hired staff that could, it's big rooms, lots of toys. And so we sat down with our kids. Uh, we wanted to get, see if they would be on board with us planting a church. And Madden was five, and Micah was two. And we said, guys, we feel like God's calling us to go up to Austin to start a church for people who don't have churches. And um, what do you think? And uh, so they were kind of, Micah didn't talk much, he's two. Uh, but Madden, you know, well, you know, what, where would, what, what, what would we do? Who would, you know, she was asking, really with regard to her programs, you know. She had a great program at, at Promise Land. And I said, so I, I, I was encouraging her in the way that I encourage people, which is really to try to discourage them so much that if they're still going for it, then they're, 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 they're ready. And so I said, well, honey, you know, there's, we're not going to have any toys. We're not going to have a lot of kids. It's like you and your brother, you know, kind of like being at home. And uh, it's just us. It's, just, it's, just, it's just, just, our, just our little toasty house. Like, that's the oven right now. And we're just going to see if anyone wants to join us. And um, I said, but, you know, we don't have this. We don't have that. We don't have that. Just trying to be real with her. And so I remember she got down off her bed. We were getting ready for bed. And she got down off her bed and went over to the shelf and grabbed a doll and, uh, and, and gave it to me. And I said, what's that for? She said, well, that's for the new church because we don't have any toys. And that's why I turned to Roe and I said, well, I think. See, there's, there's two kinds of people in the world. The kind of people that when they're missing something say, say, I need to go find it for myself. And there are other people that when they're missing something say, I need to contribute this to the situation. That this new church doesn't have any toys. So I have toys. So I can give a toy. And um, that's, that's, that's the heart of a cookie that is, is done baking, but not done being useful. God's done some stuff inside of us, sure, done a lot of transformation. But is it staying with us, or is it going through us to somebody else? And that's, that's a huge question. And for the, for the shepherds, after, after they saw Jesus, after they had the, the reality of faith, they didn't keep it to themselves. They went out. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, the worship team is going to sing one last song here at the end. Um, and I'd like to, to offer uh, prayer for you as well. The prayer team is here. and They'll come down to the front here in a minute and just be ready to pray with you. Um, but just before we do, I want to just ask you a question. Uh, the sermon was good, I guess. And the songs were great. I know that. Uh, the question is, are you, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go find Jesus? Because Jesus is found, yeah, in church. 
But technically, your pursuit of Jesus is seen after church, what you do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Father, we come before you, and uh, we thank you for the great news of great joy that your salvation has been provided, that your sanctification has been provided. You've done everything necessary to make us everything we've been called to be. The oven's ready. Transformation is available to us. But Lord, we need to choose to step into that. We need to choose to go. Let's go, let's go, let's go find this thing. Let's find the proof. Let's pursue Jesus. Not just in church, not just a, we don't want to just be a, I don't know, a, a southern traditional church doing things because they've always been done. But Lord, we want a relationship with you that's life-changing and life-giving to those around us.